All right, guys, we're back with the legendary Joe Gilia from Elk Bros. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, the host, and I'm coming at you from the Broken Time Studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho. I got a really special guest for you today. We're going to be talking some late season elk hunting strategies with expert hunter Joe Gillia, and he is from the Elk Bros, and I've got him on the line right now. And before we kick this off, I need to help Joe understand why we're going to talk about this subject with this here song. It's not because I couldn't remember I built a really studded blue-collar elk academy And didn't not you take this last September But don't tell Joe from the Elk Bros I just don't think he'll understand And if you tell Joe from the Elk Bros He might blow up and kick my ass That's right, y'all. Don't tell Joe. You don't need to know. Help singer eat your heart out. This is coming from a Western Huntsman. That's right, baby. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear. We're able to hear that good enough. Stupid technical oh, yeah. difficulties, man. <laughs> oh, dude, that's yeah, I'm going to have to open me up a can, bud. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to. I didn't study enough. I didn't study on the Blue Collar Elk Academy, and, and here I am, tag, or, or elkless in Idaho in September. Instead of sleepless in Seattle, elkless in Idaho. What am I going to do now? So I thought, I thought, as we speak, Joe, uh, uh-huh. today is the 15th of, uh, of November, and so my muzzleloader yep. season for elk started today. And so now I've oh, got wow. I've got until November 30th, I believe, to track down a bull and uh, and get that sucker on the ground, man. So uh, I figured you'd be you'd be the guy to pick your brain and, and help me do that. How does that sound? <laughs> well, man, uh, you know, after everything I've heard so far, Jim, let's see, I've heard the word legend, I've heard the word expert. Uh, <laughs> 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 I guess I better produce here for you, man. And and if I if I don't. I'm just going to have to come up and kick your butt. That's yeah. all there is yeah. to There's going to be right? a butt whooping, huh? 
<laughs> gonna have to open up a can, man. The song says it, man. The song says it. <laughs> oh, I, I, I gotta have me a copy of that, man. That's too cool. I'm, I'm wiping tears from my eyes right now. <laughs> I know it, it was bro. bad. It was bad. I'm wiping tears too after listening to it. <laughs> so you have from now until the thirtieth, huh? Yeah, brother. Uh, and, I do. And so, go ahead. What were you gonna say? Well, I'm, I'm real curious because right now here in Cimarron, New Mexico, in northern New Mexico, I think I'm wearing sandals, shorts, and a, and a wife beater, man. It is so warm here. I know. I don't know, I don't know what it's like there uh, in, in Idaho for you right now. It's wet. It's just wet. Rain, and mm-hmm. I feel like it's been raining my entire life. And, and we were talking before I hit record here, you know, on this on this homestead, it's like – Nothing bad happens when it's nice weather. Nope. Right. When the when the gray tanks in the in the fifth wheel fill up, it is it is like pouring rain, freezing cold, and I have to go out and deal with it. And it is just a it's a pain in the butt. But so we're we're supposed to be getting some snow just for the mm-hmm. sake of if if that helps you. Uh, we're supposed to be getting some snow later this week. Right. And hopefully that's going to move the elk down a little bit. Yeah, it just depends on the snow because not all snows are alike, man. And, you know, I mean, those guys will take those wet snows, those four, six inches, eight mm-hmm. inches, you know, and it doesn't do a whole lot to them unless it really accumulates and makes it difficult for them to get to grasses and pushes them down, you know, to where they where they're actually going to get less snow as they move down, um, get some sunny conditions on the snow that's going to do that. Or or they get, you know, if it's one of those, you know, if it's one of those drier snows where it blows off those those southern slopes and stuff, that kind of helps out a little bit. So not all snows are alike. Some of those wet snows are going to be just like that rain that you've had. I mean, what are your day temps like right now in this November so far? So far, they're they're like averaging low 40s. I've got oh I've really got a, I've got a really weird delay going on. Uh, do you have me on speakerphone? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, let's uh, maybe it's just on my end. Now I don't hear it. We're good. Okay. Anyway, yeah, we're we're averaging like 41, 45, uh, with the exception of today. Like I said, that that windstorm came in and we're like 55 today, and then it uh-huh. drops down. We have a low of 20 tomorrow night, uh, and that right. cold front comes in, and so hopefully some some moisture or uh, yeah. snow. Yeah, and as it starts to freeze things up and to make things more difficult, hopefully it will move some of those guys down, man. But uh, you know. What's been interesting is in our area over here, we've continued to have um, the low-lying areas, especially around creeks that are still showing green grasses just because of the type of warmth that we've had and that the moisture has been able to stay down in those areas. But you're different because you're having moisture in a lot of places, Mm -hmm. you know, with all the rains and stuff that you've had. So that kind of adds a little bit different configuration. Plus you're in Northern Idaho, correct? Yeah. Yep. Very uh, far North. Yeah. So you're really, you know, there's, there's things that your area brings to the puzzle that makes things interesting. Like for example, you know, when I tell people when they're hunting late season elk, it's all about covering area. I mean, it's about covering area with either, you know, optics, um, with your feet or, you know, with vehicles. And 
really getting a chance to look and look and look, covering areas, looking to different places, um, trying to locate where these animals are. But for you in northern Idaho, glassing becomes a real difficult thing, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, it, 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 there's there's areas you could do that. For example, a couple of weeks ago, I, I glassed up a mule deer and, and mm-hmm. got him. And mm-hmm. uh, the that opportunity is very specific to that very small part of this very big unit. And mm-hmm. so it is not the norm. I mean, when you're looking at these mountains, uh, it's, it's a jungle. I mean, it's, it's an, anybody in North Idaho knows what I'm talking about. There's just not a lot of glassing opportunities, you know, before, before we get too far into this, Joe, uh, sure. let's back up a little bit. I, I kind of want to hear about your season so far, the, uh, with, with you and, and the elk bros and everybody over there, how'd your season go in September? Um, so if everybody knows it's been following us, we did something that we've never done before. And, um, that is, we took the show on the road. We left New Mexico and we went Colorado yep. OTC. Uh, so we went through the exact process that everybody else out there goes through. I mean, we have never been out of New Mexico and never, you know, people start telling you about different units and different zones and different things in Colorado. No clue. We had zero clue with that. So basically we were going through the same thing of trying to decide where we were going to go um, and trying to figure, you know, what type of unit and then, you know, where we would be in that unit, where we'd be able to find elk, what our multiple plans would be, uh, the the different types of places that we wanted to identify. Then, And one thing, Jim, that is a, a lot more different in those areas of Colorado than here is the elevations are different where we might start at like 6,500 or 6,000. Mm-hmm. A lot of these places in Colorado, are already char- they're already starting at like 8,000. So there's already like, you know, a 2,000, you know, elevation difference. Yeah, so yeah. You, you almost have to transfer um, and relate that difference. I mean, if we're finding elk 1500 to 2000 feet higher here, that's about the same thing that happens there. It's just, you got to think differently where, you know, if we're saying that we're finding elk at 10,000 feet, we're like really getting up there where, you know, you might still have another 2000 feet to go before you get timber line up there in Colorado. So, gotcha. you know, it, it just kind of depends on the area. So yeah, we went through this process, man. We, um, did the whole thing having to you know go through all the licensing stuff having to get the stuff for the atvs you know figuring out um instead of doing kind of the main base camp that we do in a lot of areas because in new mexico when you get a hunt unit that's your unit yeah uh you know you're not you're it's not like in colorado where you know if you're in unit um 35 and you're not digging it right there and it's an OTC unit, well, shoot, man, you pull up stakes and you can drive, you know, 30 miles, 50 miles, a hundred miles to another OTC unit sure. and go in that one. So yeah, that's how so, Idaho is for the most part. Yeah. So that's a whole different thing. So for us, generally when we're in a unit, we pretty much base camp and pretty much set up a solid type of camp. And then we'll either use, you know, feet vehicle or, or four wheeler to get to different areas as transportation and then, you know, go to the feet from there and, and go into those areas. So, and I mean, during the day we could cover anything from, you know, five to 
15, 18 miles in a day, just depending on what it requires for that day and locating the elk, because that's, that's our first goal when we get out there is we're trying to locate and then we're actually trying to find those critters, get on them. So um, now we had to transfer that to Colorado where, <laughs> you know, it's almost like it's, it's great, but it's almost like it's not that, okay, so we're in this unit. If we don't like what we're seeing, well, we can jump and drive 20 miles or an hour and a half or two mm -hmm. hours. And, you know, that, that has both its pros and its cons in it, because I think sometimes a lot of people might give up on an area that it's holding elk and there's definitely pockets of elk there going in there because Colorado has the largest herd of elk in the daggone country. So, you know, oh, yeah. they're elk there. Um, you can pretty much throw a dart and go anywhere and, and, and you can find elk if you just work at it. So, we went through that process. We decided to try to keep things within a certain travel distance from, from home. Um, and, you know, being where Cimarron is, we're right on the Colorado border pretty much. So there was a lot of area that we could access. And we went in. We made sure that our goal was to be mobile. We had, I had already gone during the summer. Cole Wilkes and myself, one of our coaches, had gone up there. And in about three days, we covered between the two of us, probably five different units. And wow. the whole goal of going there was really the main goal for, for me at that point was, yeah, I wanted to, you know, see if there was some elk activity, but mainly was to see the lay of the land, you know, because if you've been hunting elk long enough, you can pretty much look at an area and know what looks elky. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's the only way I can, you know, it's, it's kind of like a fisherman can go to a lake or you can go to a river and you can kind of look around that and you get an idea real quick of where those fish are going to lie. Totally. Right. Yep. And it's, it's pretty much the same thing. And not only that, to be able to now relate the lie that you've been seeing on the topo maps <laughs> 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 and, and be able to actually put you know, the verticality to that, you know, um, you know, to, to put the, how big that country is to it. So, you know, we did that part, we went out there and we did, um, we did some boots on the ground and, you know, covered different areas to try to find out, um, where cow elk were. That's what I'm looking for when I'm scouting. I'm, I could care less where the bulls are. If I see some, that's great. But, you know, my goal at that time of year is I'm really looking for cow elk. I want to find yep. out where I'm seeing those tracks and where they're running and where their corridors are and, um, and you know, find them, the bulls are going to come. So we did that and we set up five plans. We went out there. We um, all made sure we were very mobile so that if we didn't find something, we could tear our camp down very quick. Uh, we could travel to a new area and yada, yada. So, we get there and on uh, day one of our scouting, we divided and conquered. So, you know, we had a large group of guys together. I think we had nine of us all together. So we had our core bros and then we had 
you know, um, one of our coaches, a good friend of mine, and uh, one of our other bros have been hunting with us for a number of years. And between all of us, we split up into groups and we went to different areas, divided and conquered. And, and we said, okay, let's, let's see what we find on our scouting trip. And um, got out there. Uh, I happened to go an area that I thought was really a place that a lot of people, because when we set up camp, have you ever camped in Colorado in some of those areas? Uh, no, not, not, I haven't camped in Colorado. No. <laughs> Let me tell you what. I, I, so I've, I've camped in Utah and I always, I always look at like Utah and Colorado are, are there's a lot of similarities in terms of the landscape. Uh, uh-huh. So I, I think Colorado has a little higher elevations for the most part, but Utah's got some super high elevation too. And so I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, and, and the thing is, is in Colorado, you can, you can camp wherever. I yeah. mean, you can, if it's on the side of a forest, you can camp and you just pull off and camp. So whereas in New Mexico, that's not necessarily the case in, in is, some of these areas. Is that because uh, New Mexico, it's state land instead of federal forest service land? Or why is that? So, so if it's forest service, um, a lot of those forest services, unless you actually go hiking up in the country, they have like campgrounds set up um, for you to camp in. Um, you know, um, in state land, they absolutely have campgrounds that generally you have to pay to camp in or it's designated for you to camp in. If it's state trust land, they'll, they'll have designated areas, which we're trying to, to, to actually stop some of that. Because I think this concentrated camping really, really hurts a lot of these areas anyway. Yeah, that's kind of how sure. it is in New, in New Mexico, whereas in Colorado, it's anywhere. And the roads in Colorado... The, the roads in Colorado are better than the roads where my subdivision is, man. It's like, <laughs> the, the Forest <laughs> Service roads up there. Oh my God! Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you got you got people driving up in buses and I mean giant oh, RVs and uh, I mean huge trailers and I mean it's um it's 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 crazy. I mean the the better the roads and the more comfortable that you can be, the more people that are going to show up mm. and. Where we first picked out, uh, that was the case. Now, let me just tell you this. Not all of the bros were extremely roughing it either. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> what we had? Did we have uh, some big fifth wheels, some huge wall tents? What, 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 what are we talking? Or are you talking so, like motels? No, oh, no, no, no. We didn't hit the motels. Uh, but um, uh, my, my one of my mentors, and you, if you listen to us, you'll hear Gilbert talk about uh, one of his mentors and one of the guys originally, R.C. Knox, one of the um, R.C. is a true cowboy. And, and R.C. was the first guy to ever give me a guide job back in the day. And uh, he was also coach with me, a best friend of mine. But R.C.'s um, him and Chav. So he's about 10 years my senior. And this guy has. I mean, he's been the game manager on big ranches. She runs a big ranch now. So this guy has seen and been around more elk than most of us will ever in three lifetimes. So, um, so RC, when we met RC, RC is pulling a a fifth wheel, um, claimed to be a horse trailer, but I don't know if you've seen some of these. (laughs) I've seen some pretty nice horse trailers, the living quarters up front Five star oh, wow. accommodations. Absolutely, man. So Helicopter he pad. Has, <laughs> he is pulling the Taj Mahal behind him, right? Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so uh, we get into our area, and uh, I've got um, ourselves so that we could be quick. We had a, a jumping jack trailer that we were using, and um, Cole travels with his um, his truck. Is like you know it, it's it's a traveling camp for him. He sleeps in the back of his truck. He's got it set up really really cool. I mean, we had every type of thing going on there, um, but also that we could be mobile and. After we did our first day scouting, I go to this one area. I drive an hour and a half away to check this one area away from where all of these people were. I mean, we were just surrounded by folks, man. So I was like, well, let me go see if this place is a little different. And I go and get there. And and that morning, the area I checked was just chock full of sign. Um, In fact, I called. I have it on video. I call this bull in. Did not want to, Jim. That's one thing I didn't want to do on a scouting trip. I just gave a cow call, and this son of a buck just comes hauling into me. Really? And I have him. Yeah, and I'm I'm standing there in black pants, black shirt with my pack on, filming him at about 15, 18 yards. Oh wow! And uh, <laughs> and I was like, okay, uh, I think this will do. <laughs> so, what, what day was that? Was that early September? So that was September 1st with the season opening on the 2nd. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Sorry for the quick intrusion here, folks, but I got a birthday message I'd like to send out to my friend, Christopher Banks. Happy birthday, buddy. 32 years old is looking good on you. Christopher is a great hunter, and he's one of our listeners, and I just wanted to wish him a very happy birthday from the Western Huntsman. So um, I was like, I, I just wanted him to back out of the area, let him go. And then I started to look and I bumped into two more groups of cows. And once I did that, I was like, I'm done. And I backed out. I drove an hour and a half back to camp. And I told the guys, I was like, look, I know we're all set up here, but I think we're in the wrong spot. So we end up, you know, the guys are like, hey, if you say so, we pulled stakes. Uh, we spent a day moving all the way to this other area. So we really didn't get out until, um, you know, uh, what I told him is what we're going to do is let's go there in the morning and we'll all split and hunt and then we'll meet and we'll say, should we move camp? Well, we did that and absolutely we moved camp and, you know, out of our five core guys, we had, um, uh, we had the mafia. Both the mafia guys tagged. Gilbert tagged out. Uh, my goal really was to to you know who Chav is, right? Oh yeah, yeah, I know Chav. And 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 you know that Chav went through his battle with cancer last year. Yep. Or actually, last two years, pretty much. And and uh, a year ago, Chav wasn't walking. So um, this year, Chav was in camp. We traveled. He was in elk camp, and I was just looking at videos just yesterday man and i look at those videos from where he's come from and jim you know all glory be to god but unbelievable how far this guy has come and i'm so so glad to hear that yeah it's it it true blessing man and you know cole wilkes when we took off to you know go get everybody he stayed there i found an area to put him a blind um, we knew he wasn't going to be able to still, I mean, he's able to get around in the hills, but he's using sticks in the hands, he's using hiking sticks. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, he was able to get in, it was about three or 400 yards to the blind. And so the goal was to get him in there and get him set up, get him in and out of the blind. And we had, um, 
and and you'll see all of this when it starts coming out. But you know, Gilbert uh, takes a bull, Manano takes a cow, Luis takes a bull, um, and Chav actually um, hits a bull, uh, gets a shot. The bull was about. 45 yards quartering away and as he squeezed off it was a hard quarter and as he squeezed off the bull took a step and hit him in the leg instead so oh, wow yeah it was a huge bummer i still um stayed looking for that animal for i mean we all you know checked to make sure it wasn't a, a hit we looked all that day um i actually went out the next day and still tried to find you know we lost blood immediately and you know, did all kinds of gritting. I mean, all of us were out there. You ought to see my, my, uh, my maps on my base map, how it looks, man. But I, (laughs) I so, I so wanted that to happen. I mean, it would have been nothing but a testament to what he's overcome. So we almost had, um, we almost had, you know, four out of the five guys, uh, score on that. And, uh, so I, I think the bros, (laughs) Went to Colorado, went to someplace we'd never been, and rocked it. I think oh, for we sure. Yeah, had it three in, out of five. Incredible season with another one hitting uh, the leg and Chav coming yeah. as far as he did, just being up there and able to to install an arrow on an elk. You know whether it was it was lethal or not. I mean that's that's saying a lot. That's a that's a testament to you know somebody that can that could take you know this great physical challenge in and overcome it and i think that that's a lesson for a lot of people out there that you know get a blister and and take the day off um it's it's amazing oh yeah you just wait till you see the video on that and you know i i you forget you forget how far until i started looking at the videos yesterday and you know there was a video jim of him talking to the guys he was talking to manano and luis and those guys he had i'd done a recording because they were you know sending him a lot of positive messages and you know he just said you know guys i'm 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 working hard and and i hope to see in the future and i mean he is um he had lost so much weight uh he looked like he was in a concentration camp and and you look at that and then you see him you know, first trying to walk, just trying to stand up, just mm-hmm. trying to stand up. I mean, because he became paralyzed and, you know, just that how far he has come. Absolutely. It just I wanted that so bad, man. Yeah, uh, I'll bet. Yeah. And huh. and and, he, you know, he felt horrible. He wanted, you know, he last thing he wanted to do was to wound an animal. In fact, he had another shot on an animal um, on the last day, but it was getting, uh, he didn't take the shot. He had a shot opportunity that he could have taken, but he didn't because he was still thinking about the one that that he had stuck. And yeah. so he never took the shot. So, um, yeah, he, he probably saw in the blind, probably saw more elk than any of us. It's interesting no how like experience in in past years and and what what you're talking about how we passed on taking a shot on that bull. Um, mm-hmm. I, I passed on a shot too that I, I and this bull was only you know 25 feet, not yards. Mm-hmm. And uh, I passed on him, man. And in years past, I would have taken that shot, but he was standing in a bunch of alder brush. It's the same bull, and I've told this story a bunch on the show already, but it's uh, the story where I. 
I, I, I bugled this bull comes in. He's a, he's a big herd bull. Like all the cows are squealing and squawking and this bull was on top of me within 30 seconds. And my, my bow got hung up on my, uh, my shoulder camera. And I, I had to like pull the bow out and untangle it, push my camera back and then draw back. Well, by the time that happened, the bull was onto me and it moved off into some alder brush. And I had like a very small window where it was like one of those things where it's an 80% chance that thing would have hit a limb and I, I would have wounded that bull. And so right. I didn't take the shot and, and like experience got me there where years ago right. I would, I would have, I would have let that arrow fly, man. And, and just hope for the best. And, and, uh, it's, it's just interesting. The pain that happens when you wound a bull and never yeah. recover it, uh, it sticks with you even in the heat of the moment like that. So, um, yeah, no, I, it, it's a, it, that's, that's a lesson within itself right there. What Chav did. Yeah. And you know, I, I mean, he is, uh, he's been, he's been practicing and sh- he's been shooting since before he could even stand up to shoot. I mean, he's been shooting, sitting down, um, because he couldn't wow. stand up to balance himself. Jeez. So, um, uh, so his shooting, that's why we had him sitting in a seat and a blind. And I mean, he has been shooting better than he ever has. And it was just one of those things that, you know, we always talk about that, you can have everything perfect, but that animal can do something to change a situation. And it's just one of those things where, you know, he focused on his point and it's just, as soon as he put that pressure on the finger, it was too late. And that out, took a step forward mm-hmm. and uh, ended up catching him in, on the side of the thigh there. So, yeah. uh, yeah. yeah, it's just, um, just one of those things. And, you know, he, like I said, he had that, another bull standing there and it was getting, you know, that evening light. And he was like, I did not want to stick an animal, yeah. you know, with it getting dark and then us going through that again. He said, I wasn't going to do it. So yeah, yeah for sure. You know, good decision on his part, man. So, Oh, for sure. So, so after all that is it, would Colorado be, uh, something you guys would do in the future? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and not only Colorado, I mean, I want to look at other OTC places. You know, I, I want to take a look at, um, at at what you guys look like there in Idaho. I mean, any place that might have an OTC, yeah, you know, God, because. Dude, come up, come up to North Idaho and hunt the jungle with me. Yeah. <laughs> <be> fun. <laughs> hey, I tell you, man, uh, the thicker, the better, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> you know. And that's, I know. So. I love it. I love it. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, I'm glad. So, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. It's, it's absolutely on the table, man, because, you know, one thing we kept hearing from people, I mean, when you take a look at the success that we've had over the years, you know, most of the time we are 80% in our camp most of the time in archery with 100% opportunities. And we've had some guys that haven't finished, you know, the deal up in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, um, you know, we've heard a lot of people, well, you're at home. Why don't you take the show on the road? And, you know, and I tell people, man, elk are elk, you know, know. so that's the essence of what I wanted to, cause I, I knew, I knew you guys all, I knew three of you tagged out in Colorado. And, and I, mm-hmm. I think that that's what I was trying to pull out of you is you guys have always hunted New Mexico and, and, you know, I've heard a lot of people talking about, you know, well, well, these guys only hunt there and elk are different over here and elk are different there. And, and well, they, they haven't hunted in my area. Uh, they don't understand the crowds or, and I'm not talking about you guys specifically. This is what right, people yeah. say about everybody. Right. And so, yeah. you know, oh, I'd like to see them do that in, in my zone. Well, 
you guys, you guys pulled up stakes, left New Mexico, went to a totally new unit that was very crowded, OTC Colorado. It doesn't get much more crowded than that. And and three out of five of you put a bull down. Elk yep. or elk, man. Elk or elk. And, and you know, when we went there, um, the unit that we went in, people specifically said, you better bring your own rock to stand on. I mean, it's just... Uh, yeah. And, you know, it, it, there are going to be lots of people, but we found out the same thing. Jim, in in all the days that I hunted this area, we actually killed, and I called in that first bull, and then we killed elk. Um, you know, the, the first place I called in a bull was probably one mile from all the camping. One mile, right? Wow. Where most people were driving, driving right past this area. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, it, we were finding the same situations that we find because where we hunt in New Mexico is extremely crowded. Um, so we just apply those same techniques that when we hunt and it was early season and you heard it all the way across the West that the elk were silent. Right. They just weren't talking. I, you know? I, yeah, I that you make a good point. I heard that a lot, but I didn't experience that at all. Mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. some I had some great call ins. Um, it's it's an interesting thing, and I talked about this with uh, Weldon Long the other day about you know putting blame on something, right? And and a lot a right. lot of people like to use the overcrowded units as blame as to why they didn't notch a tag. And well, you guys are listening to a guy who um, I can blame my no tag September this year on. Mm-hmm crowded units because we had some crowded units i don't think we get nearly as crowded as like colorado does but it, it was more crowded than i've ever seen it still called in elk uh mm-hmm. one re- reason or another couldn't have a shot no clear shot or one day i went hunting with my buddy steve he called a bull right to me and he could see him but my angle i couldn't see the bull all i saw was the tips of his antlers <laughs> anyways oh uh, yeah it, it yeah. was it was it was a it was a great day and that was like september 2nd or 3rd i i want to say and those yep. That was like the third bull we had fired up. And so I'd get back home, and I, I did have limited time. I had some family in town for a week and a half in September and uh, some homestead stuff, so I didn't get out as much as I usually do. But the days mm-hmm. that I did get out, I had encounters. And then I'd get home, and I'd, I'd jump on social media, and I'd see people, oh, the elk are not talking, or the the rut is uh, running late this year, or the full moon is killing me, or all these non-residents are killing me. And it, it was just interesting when you're sitting there around the campfire reading some of this stuff a few hours after you just called a monster bull in that about ran you over, but you couldn't kill it. Yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just circumstantially couldn't kill one. So, um, you know, anyways, it's, it, we could have a whole podcast on that topic. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and so it was, you know, so I won't go. I won't go any further than that. I'll just tell you, man, elk or elk. And, you know, that's part of the whole challenge of it all is to figure out all of those elements and still make it happen. I, to me, that's the fun part. That's the, mm-hmm. that's where you got to adapt and you got to overcome. That's where you got to think and you got to think like those critters and then you got to use your skill sets. And that's what makes hunting hunting, you yeah. know? Yep. So, so we had a great season, man. And then, you know, immediately after that was done, we had some coaches that headed to hunt wars over there and they had an incredible, um, that, that wait till that comes out. I'm real excited about that. It when when do those videos come out? 
So they probably won't come out until spring, I believe, is mm. when when that happens because they are they were still doing hunt boars. It wasn't just the elk. They go, you know, they did the antelope, then they did the elk, and then they did the deer, and then they're doing the white-tailed deer now, I believe, too. So oh, yeah. you know, it's not it's not like they just do elk and then they get to just put the show out. I mean, they have all of these different hunt boars that are going on and then they try to get all the shows put together from from there so um it it's quite uh, a deal and i tell you what man some incredibly exciting stuff happened and, and i just i just love the whole concept of that show because they show the day-by-day grind it's not this whack them and stack them type thing this is real hunters and real you know real hunts doing it and working their butts off trying to make it happen and uh it, it's it's just really really cool to see all of that and to see those conversations yeah. and to see all the things that they have to overcome to try to make it happen and they you know just like a lot of people you know you're going to see a lot of people don't make it happen sure um so there, there, there was blood drawn, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And, yeah. and we had some, we had some Elk Girls coaches in camp there, um, working with all of that. So it's just super exciting for us. So that happened, and then uh, I started my guide season, and I went right in back to New Mexico and went into the second archery and uh, uh, called in a beautiful 343 bull for a client of mine. Uh, he took it at 26 yards and <laughs> 343. That, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was awesome bull. And, and then I, I, I go right into the rifle seasons from there um, in October. And I was I was calling bulls. I mean, getting bulls to bugle all the way, uh, I'd say, till about, well, October 24th-ish, right yeah. around there. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't surprise me. I, I was, you know, elk live all around my property here that that we live on. We hear them bugling at night all through October. We heard them bugling. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hmm. So, yeah, it's, I mean, the season has been phenomenal. I've been 100% on my guide season. Um, we've had a tremendous time with the growth that's happening with elk bros and the, and the coaching aspect of it and our, in our own season together. The only thing I'd say is, man, I wish September was longer. <laughs> I know, I know. I, <laughs> I, I was. Uh, it was interesting. I woke up on like October first or something, and I'm like, "Where? What happened? Where did that month go?" It was the fastest September ever. <laughs> so absolutely, man. But, but so now here yeah. we are. Mm-hmm. We're we're mid November. Um, there's, there's, so, and I don't know how this plays out in other states. Sometimes like I know in Colorado, they have like second and third rifle season and then a late muzzle loader. And, uh, I can't remember how it works in like Utah and Montana, but in Idaho, if you, Mm -hmm. if you have what is called the ATAG, which basically gives you the September archery hunt, uh, it gives you a few days in October on a rifle. And then it, it opens up the second half of November on the muzzle loader, right? Are you as excited as I am about hunting season? Man, it's here, finally, and you still have time to save some money on some great gear by the sponsors who make this show possible. So let me tell you a little bit about them. Scree Gear. Scree is extreme mountain gear, and this is my, what, third season using Scree, and if it sucked, I would have changed by now. 
Guys, Street is high-performance hunting uh, attire. It is scientifically proven. It's backed by a great company. Uh, I wouldn't recommend these guys if I didn't believe in them wholeheartedly, and they they've just they just keep I uh, just keep them on the show because it's great stuff, guys, without breaking the bank. And that's what I really like about the Scree gear is it's ever bit as good as that super expensive stuff that you can get out there, but you're not going to break the bank getting it and get all geared up for complete layering systems, all terrain, all conditions, gear designed to adapt to the weather. Uh, it's all backed by a lifetime warranty, and if you when you order online at ScreeGear.com, VIP sizing and exchange program will cover you if you order the wrong size. You can send it back for free, and they'll send you the right size. It's a great company, great gear. Check it out at ScreeGear.com, if I can spit that out right. And use promo code the Western Huntsman for 15% off and free shipping. That is one heck of a deal. Let's roll right into Hoffman Boots. Hoffman Boots, I believe uh, this is like my eighth or ninth season running uh, a pair of Hoffmans. I use the Explorers, and I love the Hoffman Explorers in the 8-inch. You can also get them in the 6-inch. Depends. That's just kind of a personal preference thing. Hoffman Boots are, again, kind of like Scree, where it's a great boot without spending an absorbent amount of money, right? So that's why I use the Hoffman boots is because I'm getting everything that I need out of a boot. These are rugged boots. They last a long time. Like I told you, I'm, I'm going on like eight or nine years with these things, and I'm only on my second pair. They will keep you from sliding down the mountain because they've got excellent traction, excellent waterproofing, excellent everything. Go to HoppinBoots.com and use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Phelps Game Calls, the oldest sponsor on this here Western Huntsman podcast. I am recording this on the opening day of archery elk season, and I've got all my Phelps stuff laid out, ready to go. I use the Maverick. I use the Renegade. I use the new metal tube. uh, All of it. It's great stuff. It has never let me down. I've been using it for a long time. I was one of the first believers in Phelps Game Calls, and you should be too. Go to phelpsgamecalls.com. Use promo code HUNTSMAN10 to save you 10% when on your order. And good luck out there. Here we go, September. And last but not least is Tacticam. Tacticam is a unique sponsor on the Western Huntsman podcast. And you can get all the Tacticam products at thewesternhuntsman.com, a portion of which goes to conservation efforts in fighting against the anti-hunting movement. So be sure to go to thewesternhuntsman.com and pick you up some uh, some cameras. You can get the uh, I recommend the uh, getting two cameras if you're going to self film. Get the 5.0 and get the wide lens. Those two you can basically attach to yourself or if you're in the states that allow it to a weapon and film your entire hunt. They also have cool products like the Spotter LR. They have the Reveal cell cameras, which are way cool. We should have those on the website here shortly. Uh, and go check it out at thewesternhuntsman.com forward slash gear and let me know what you think. Let's get back to the show and here we go. Right. So so for those of us that, that didn't notch a tag in September and still wanna still wanna get out there and chase some elk, I wanna talk about that circumstance and what changes uh, whether you know some states I know have late November seasons that are rifle hunts, some are archery, some are muzzleloader. Uh, mm-hmm. weapon doesn't really matter. Um, we were talking about earlier, you know, the snow and, and access to, to feed and, and right. weather and impacting this, this late season hunt. Um, but let's walk through that. Like what, what do uh, late season elk hunters, 
what what do we need to do? What do we need to prepare for? What we you you and let's go back to this. You you mentioned cover a lot of country. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's the main thing because you got to think about what's happening now. You 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 have different animals out there now. Um, you've got bulls that had, especially your herd bulls, man. I mean, those herd bulls lost about 200 pounds in in body weight from where they were um, at that end of summer to where they were um, at about you know October 15th or so. I mean just because of all the work they did once those herd bulls took over those herds and had to put in that work they just really um they pound themselves man trying to keep and and going through all of that breeding stage there so they had dumped off right around you know they'll start shadowing it's funny i i I like to think of it as a flip-flop when you think about the early season big bulls Mm-hmm. They let those young bulls go in and start gathering those cows up and they kind of shadow on the sides. It just kind of stay in the area so that they're not having to do all the work. It's not their first rodeo, man. So they're trying not to burn all that energy as much as possible. Elk know that survival is up to them in conserving as much energy as possible. So they let those young guys take care of that and start gathering those cows, thinking that they're the man of the time, right? You know, the mm-hmm. man of the hour. And then once those cows start coming in to estrus, they go in, knock them out of there, and then they start controlling the herd. Well, almost the exact same thing happens in flip-flop. So as things start to die down as those cows are no longer coming in estrus or they're coming in those multiples right but most of those cows have been bred Mm -hmm. those bulls they go off because now they're just exhausted and now here comes those young guys or those next satellites in line that go and now they get to play the part again and they're hoping that you know either they're just get to practice being the man of the hour again or um you know you have some cows that'll that will come and recycle and get a chance to be bred but let me tell you those big guys are still not that far off and they hear a lot going on like that they will come in and they'll breed those cows again so i mean we killed on uh on one of our largest bulls ever a few years ago a 404 bull whoa on october 24th because of uh another ester cycle that came in that's crazy and, 404 yeah. I don't even know what that looks like. (laughs) I'm going to need to see a picture of this. (laughs) They just, they just look a a little thicker and a little longer, man. That's all it is. Just a little thicker, a little longer. That's awesome. But, uh, but the point being that he, he didn't keep those cows gathered up. Those other bulls did. And then once everything went nuts because those cows came in estrus, that bull went in and, and started working again to breed that cow. So, uh, It's kind of a flip-flop. So now you have those big guys and what they're thinking, they're getting off. And as those other bulls are all starting to peel off, all they're thinking about right now is, you know, at first, once they dump off, they just got to recover, man. They just got to rest. They're like, you know, a guy that's been beat up, been in a fight. Uh, He's gone 15 rounds and he just needs to go lick his wounds. And that's what Mm -hmm. they're doing. And then once they get through that recovery period, now you start to see those bulls bacheloring up again. 
so and, and when does that about when does that happen is that is that about right now middle no, november start bachelor no back you up, you or? actually you actually had some of that happening already probably um around the 20th of october you'll start to see a lot of those bulls starting to They'll bachelor up again okay 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 um but uh you'll get a lot of those younger ones that will bachelor up. Maybe those big guys are still staying off a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe not. They might end up with one or two. It just depends on how much they've recovered, where they're at, how they're feeling. But those bachelor groups are starting to happen. Now, right now, those bachelor groups are absolutely happening. And the later you go in this, even the better, because especially as snow starts hitting the ground, like what you're talking about. These guys have one thing on their mind where they had breeding as their top priority. Feeding becomes their top priority. They just want to eat, 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 man. They just got to try to put it on the body again, you know? So that's what they're doing. And the good thing is this is when those bulls first split off and they're all singled out again, Mm -hmm. it's real hard to find them because They go in those holes. They don't travel too far because they are resting, they're eating, and their their water is not too far away. So they're just staying in those places where you and I or anybody else do not want to go. I mean, I sent um I had um I had a a guide trainee that was working with me and and a great young man. And I talked about the areas to look and stuff because he was going on a hunt in Colorado. Well, he found the exact type canyon that I was talking about. And down in that canyon, in that gnarly canyon, he found the bull like he should have found him down there. Mm -hmm. But they couldn't get to him, you know, or they didn't want to get to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, They couldn't or wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot of guys that find those singles down in those gnarly, gnarly areas, and they're like, man, if I kill one down there, how am I going to get it out, yeah. right? So they almost don't want to look in some of those places. And so we're hoping to find elk in some of the places that are more conducive to us than it is to them. Yeah, That's a, one of those things that happened. But as this starts to go, and they start to bachelor up, they start to come out of those holes a little bit. Now they're easier to spot because there's more of them. They're not single. They're not in those, you know, in those gnarly holes buried down there. So now it's a little bit easier to find them because they are going to now be out later in the mornings and they're going to come out early in the evenings because they want to eat. They Mm want to stay in those areas. And here's the tough part though, still sometimes Jim is that, because they're not with the big herd, you know, if you're hunting cows, you're looking for large feed areas, really good grass, even areas maybe close to um, ag areas where they're going to come off or where they're going out into private and then coming off onto back into the, the public to bed down those type, or they'll just bed down in the private a lot of times uh, this time of year because they're in these giant, giant herds for these cows. And those giant herds will also have still some young bulls in them sure. that you might even still hear bugling a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but Go ahead. When you hear, when uh, you had made a poster or somebody from Elk Bros made a post the other day, 
that you mm-hmm. can still hear some bugling, but don't don't misinterpret that and try to like get into a a bugle fest with them, right? Yeah, yeah, ain't gonna work. They're not rutting. They're not rutting anymore. No. What about no. what about your? Let's say somebody's sitting there. They're on some uh, public land. Um, overlooking this meadow but on the other mm-hmm. side of the meadow maybe it's private land and there's there's some elk kind of meandering feeding a couple of bulls or something um would a cow call call them over per uh, per chance or maybe like a, a calf call or uh, something like that you know uh you could try herd talk and it kind of depends on on this bachelor group and the age of that bachelor group I think if it's more mature bulls, um, you know, they might think it's some bull muse because when you talk about cow calls, don't forget the bulls also, they do chirps and muse as well. Yep. So you can still try to do a little bit deeper sounding mew for them to think it's a bull over there possibly. And I tell you, if I had something where I had no opportunity because they were just staying on that property, why wouldn't you try it, right? Sure, sure. Um, uh, why wouldn't you sound like a group or a herd that's moving off that's going on there or sound like a uh, just a lone uh, bull that probably gives a mew here or there? You know, uh, I, I would, me, I'm going to throw the kitchen sink and try to find something that might get their attention. It's not like a, uh, you know, like a, a long mew or... Um, uh, anything like that is going to work. I don't even know that, you know, because when I think about the calf mew, I'm not sure how much that's going to work. Uh, you might, if they are, if they are bulls that are still kind of bugling when they hear other elk, then I would probably use a calf mew. I definitely wouldn't use any kind of bull talk. I would probably use a calf mew because that's going to be the least threatening to them sure. that they might sound off to. But, you know, I, I wouldn't count on that a lot. I would use those things to try to bring cows to me, you know, that herd talk and those calf mews. And if there's bulls with them, you know, some of those younger bulls still, if I was still trying to take one of them, it just depends if you're after any bull or if you're after a mature bull or in the situation that you were describing where you see a particular group of bulls, it kind of depends on that age class. If they're a younger age class and I could get away doing some, maybe some insistent and some lost stuff and maybe a lost calf, I might be able to get them to come check it out. Yeah. Um, uh, as to what you just said, for for me personally, um, just because of the way this season has kind of gone down and all the work I have, um, mm-hmm. when, when you live when you live on bare land, you have you have two two lifestyles basically. You, you have winter and then you have prepping for winter. So um, <laughs> I, I'm not going to have a ton of opportunity, but uh, so I'm I'm not going to be picky. I'm not picky. Uh, I'll shoot. Right. I'll shoot a spike. I'll shoot a 404 or whatever size that bull you you talked about. Why don't you come up here and guide me on one of those 404s? <laughs> Dude, I'd love to, man. <laughs> well, I but, tell you uh, what, I I, I had uh, I don't know how many opportunities at spikes in in Colorado, but you can't shoot them, so yeah. that was different. I could have shot one spike the the first week this this September. And, and all I did, I was just, I was just standing kind of up above this trail, this well-used mm-hmm. trail. And I let off a couple of cow calls and just stood there. And like eight or nine minutes later, 
here comes two spikes. Uh, one got nervous and peeled off, and the other one came right onto that trail, 14-yard hmm, shot. If it would have been like the last week of September, I'd have sauced him. But you know, so we wouldn't be life, we wouldn't be having the conversation hey, about we, I didn't we'd get be it having out. a different talk. We'd be having a different conversation. <laughs> but uh, I, I it's it's so funny how I, I you know I I always go into September with all this new confidence and oh I'm not gonna shoot a spike and. Uh, you know, whatever. And then, and then September and reality hits me and I get my teeth kicked in and it's like, man, why did you have that mentality? You should like uh, the, the freezer's empty. The freezer's empty, dude. <laughs> so, so Jim, I was real disappointed. I wanted to tell you, man. Uh Oh yeah. Because I, I, I listened to your show, um, when you were talking to the, the higher, um, the group is called, um, higher calling. Oh yeah. Was higher it? calling adventures. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was listening with that, and they were talking about putting on a scenario, and you were asking them about guys going from, you know, two different guys putting out calls like that and stuff. And I was, and you said, yeah, I never heard of that, but you know, I thought uh, that might be something. I was like, Jim didn't study, man. I didn't. He did not study, man. No, I didn't. T- I, I didn't. <laughs> I, and I'll, I'll admit it. Now I, that that particular scenario where you where you create this this fight or whatever, I, uh-huh. I have heard you guys talk about it on your podcast. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, but I, what I was saying to them is I've never tried it, but I've always wanted to, but I'm usually hunting alone. So that makes that a little difficult. I guess I could, I could stand on one side of the, the, the ridge and, and, and bugle and then run across the other way real quick and bugle back at myself, you, you know, but I've totally, totally done that. I'll, and, I'll bet you have. And, and not only done that, I'll change reads when I do really? it. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. I mean, uh, I've I've worked on top of a ridge from one side to the other and worked up a sweat, man, just trying to and and uh, brought uh, a bull into Luis. Actually called a bull all the way from private property across a fence and come into Luis. Ends up shooting him at about 18 yards. A beautiful bull and did just that. And I had to do it for like 45 minutes, man. I mean, it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. No, yeah. I'm, I'm going to try that next year, but. Um... Yeah, I, 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 get, getting back to your point, I did not go through the 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 Blue Collar Elk Academy, uh, moving, you know, selling my house and moving out here, and uh-huh. I, I didn't have internet for a long time, and and we didn't have power for a long time, and so I just I didn't do any of that. September kind of snuck up on me, and I I did I I had like this this feeling of confidence going into September. And as mm-hmm. each day went on, my confidence level was was humbled, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> you know, and and I, I found myself at the end of September going out those last few days. Just, I mean, I was just almost in a state of des- desperation, covering a lot of miles, bugling into every nook and cranny on every mountain I could find, and and it just just did not come together. Um, and and so, anyways. Yeah. I, I blame it. That's why I wrote the song for you, man. I, because I didn't want I didn't want to tell Joe that I didn't study. <laughs> they all have to open up the can, man. So. <laughs> so yeah, but you know, uh, so when you're talking about right now your situation up there and you're hunting in the thick and you only have so much time, you know, uh, what are your what are your mountain um, two tracks like? I mean, I don't know how to ask the question for your area. Like, like for us, we call them roads, but they're not roads. I mean, we yeah we have eight, eight T feet trails or or vehicle trails that are more like 
river bottoms in some areas, but mm-hmm. so what are yours like with that? We've got a really good mix. We've got uh, a, a lot of really nice forest service dirt roads, and that mm-hmm. will trickle all the way down to trails, uh, mm-hmm. basically. And you've got a lot of old logging roads. Uh, there's lots of access. There's there's lots of you know I I live right in between two really good hunting units. Like I, I, my, I live on the river that sell, uh, that, that, uh, separates the two and you can go right. north into that unit and deal with grizzly bears, or I can go south and, and, and have a much less chance of running into a grizzly bear. Um, and, and so I, I can't so go going that south. way. I'm, I'm going south. Um, yeah, right. you and me both. <laughs> so, uh, the, the point is, the, until it starts snowing really heavy, I've got tons of access and tons of uh, square miles of public land to go hunt. So if I'm you, man, I'm on those roads. Is there any snow on the ground at all, or is it up, up in that area? Up up high, there's a skiff so far, and which is rare. Yeah. This, this time of year, it's usually a lot more, but it's it's just been kind of a different kind of year. So Yeah. So I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm hitting those roads and, and I'm looking for track. I'm looking for anything that's crossing in any areas over there. And I'm taking a look at it. There's a whole lot of tracks or a lot of tracks and they're smaller tracks. So in other words, is a herd of cows. If it's a herd of cows, mm, I might be able to find a bull in that. It's going to be easier to track them. I should be able to find out if they're fresh. Uh, it's going to be able to, you know, they're going to go to areas of bigger feed, so I can pretty much gauge where they're going to be. I might try that. Or am I finding where it's only one or it's three or it's four tracks and they're bull tracks or larger tracks that are together? And and you've been hunting elk long enough that, you know, that you can tell the difference between that heart-shaped, you know, track of those cows that are a little smaller and those big, more like, like I call them, um, you know, more like bovine calf look, you mm-hmm. know, to them, those, those bigger bulls, you know, square um, off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just much bigger than those, than those cows are, you mm-hmm. know, as far as the tracks go. So, you know, if you're seeing three of those, now you've got a little bachelor group and you kind of know where they are and where they're moving. And then now you start thinking about where is the possible food here? Now, here's the problem though is when you're talking about food for um, bulls at this time of year and when they're in those when they're in their smaller bachelor groups, they don't need those big areas. They don't need the same amount of feed area size that that herd does when they're out there. So wow, good point. Yeah, they're, they're going to be in areas that drain into flatter bottoms or benches that hold moisture longer. Um, anything that kind of flattens where the sun can get to it and you get a little bit better grass or had better grass at one time of the year because that dry grass is still carrying all those nutrients in there. So um, if you have any places, like when you talked about logging roads, if you have any places that are logged areas, any place with breaks in the canopy, any place where you had, you know, logging that happened that has smaller trees, um, mm-hmm. any burns, man, burn fringes, anything like that. I'm if if I could find something that is going to help me to locate elk and it's going to start eliminating country, because that's the hardest thing to do right there in northern Idaho for you, because you're talking about everything's a forest well start asking yourself well what's not you know like you talked about that one area the one area being unique that you found yep those are areas that i want on my radar because they're unique in that 
they are open. They are going to have grasses. That might be a place that's a, a little hidden gem, man, that animals are going to come in to feed and a place that I might be able to see things in there and or an area that I can find track coming in and out of that I might be able to start working and then reverse engineering where those critters are right now. Because at this time of year, they don't have to go as far. They're not rutting elk. They're not elk that are chasing cows, running away from other bulls, right. and just covering all this country. Some of these bull elk and these groups of elk can live in the same half mile to a mile now with no issue because they don't need that much feed anymore, and their water's not going to be that far away, and they're going to have thermal regulation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me ask you this. You're, I'm, I'm cruising along on mm-hmm. one of these these dirt roads and i i mm-hmm. find and, and this happens a lot you find this area where the the elk are clearly crossing that road right right and and they're going up they've they've cut a big trail and i determine those are mainly bull tracks okay and and let's say i just i stop i stop right there i park right there and i pull up either you know whether you're using base map or onyx or whatever mm-hmm. and can i i could just look for areas on there That'll kind of give me some telltale signs as to where those bulls are probably heading because – Yeah, you – Oh, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely you can. But let me tell you what I'm going to do, man. I, I'm pulling the the four-wheeler off. I'm throwing my pack on, and I'm going to – I want to see where these guys are traveling, how fresh this is, if there's any fresh sign, if there are any droppings, any urine, and I'm going to follow it out to find out, you know, is this a – is this bulls going to a, an evening feed to a morning feed? Because a lot of times they will kind of morning and evening feed in the same area and just kind of go up and bed down someplace where they're, they've got their security and just come out, you know, where it's not. Mm-hmm. Again, it could be it could be within a half mile. I watched I watched um, uh, two bulls that I found and they were feeding just on the edge of this scrub oak bridge down in the grass and they were you know they were feeding down in the big thick grass and then once the daylight came they would hike up 200 yards up into that scrub oak on top of the ridge and bed down all day long they'd get up and eat a little bit of amongst that scrub oak eat some of the grass and bed down you know and then as afternoon come they go right down feed right back where they were before down there now there was a pond not even another 400 yards from there. So they had everything in that area. If they can find that situation and not get bumped from it, they're just fine, man. So that that's, so if I were you in that situation where I found a clear area where it was a work trail going, I'm, I'm, I'm dogging it. I'm okay. going to find out exactly where they're going, whether it's going to a bed, whether it's going to an area. Are they feeding? Does it start to meander? What's that area look like? What's my elevation at right now? Because the elevation that I'm finding these guys at is probably the elevation that I'm going to find other elk, bull elk at as well. Sure. That makes sense. Okay. Um, what about – I've heard uh, some mixed opinions on on this, but like uh, – Wallows are kind of irrelevant this time of year. Am I am I wrong with that? Yeah, they are. I mean, they might be a water source. Sure. But sure. Yeah, but they're they're not. Ha- you know, if you think about what the purpose is of the wallow, you know, before to to cool them off, it's for you know, it's for thermal regulation. It's trying to get mud on them um, so they can control the insects, and it's to get their scent 
out there as well, and they're drinking water. So it's like that multifaceted that right now all it's gone to is just water form. Okay. I'm just making sure because I, I had somebody – uh, an old timer telling me the other day that, ah, oh, yeah, just, just go out and sit on a wall. And I know where all the walls are and it just didn't make sense to me. Uh, well, they could, I mean, people still put cameras on wallows, which mm-hmm. are what they're just springs, right? Yep. yep and, basically. and they're going to, they're going to get pictures of bull elk coming in there this time of year. And, you know, before the rut happens too, because they're just, that's the area the bulls are in at that time, and they're going to drink. Sure. That's another thing. I want you to think about places that you found um, rubs. And I'm not talking about rut rubs. I'm talking about those layer rubs, those pre-rut rubs, where those bulls are just, you know, trying to get rid of that, um, the velvet off of their horns, where they're just bedding all the time. You know, I mean, you're going to find rubs, like 40 rubs within you know, so many hundreds of yards in there because they're just bedding and staying in those areas. Some of those how, areas are some of the same layers that they end up going back to. How do you tell the difference between a rut rub and just getting rid of velvet? Is there a way? So, uh, yeah, absolutely, man, because generally a rut rub is going to be, you know, that's where they're displaying. And a lot of times they're going to be on the fringes of little parks. They're going to be... Um, places as in corridors where they're going from, you know, a bedding to down to a feed area where they encounter other bulls that are chasing them and they're displaying too. So most of the time they go and they just rip apart uh, a jack pine or they tear up a juniper Mm -hmm. or they, you know, they, they trash one of those uh, and and try to tear down one of those, you know, young pines. Whereas when you look at those, pre-rut rubs those velvet rubs they're generally bigger thicker um trees and there's multiples and they're going to be up in those darker areas or around right real close to those bedding areas and you'll see them on ridges up there on those ridges where it's you know where those bedding areas are and you can just find rub after rub kind of in a line whereas those rut rubs those demonstration rubs are you know the only place you really see a whole bunch of them together is like when they're down there in their in their night beds sure. and and they're just blowing up everything around there demonstrating or they're pissed off and trying to uh you know just trying to get rid of some of that testosterone at the time so you know when you start seeing those blown up jack pines that are snapped and all the branches are off of them and stuff those are those rut rubs whereas when you find those man you find those four inch in diameter you know trees five inch diameter and they just really rub those off in the middle part and you find another one like that those real thick ones that are up there by the bedding areas those are those pre-rut rubs up there on the side of those ridges okay okay that makes sense i've never never really i i've never really put that together i've never thought about Mm -hmm. that (laughs) i told you i wasn't very smart um (laughs) what when let me describe the, the the cycle and maybe you can you can correct me as to what what your opinion is on it but this time of year bulls are essentially laying down midday and uh-huh. they're feeding just before sundown and they'll feed mm-hmm. into the night they'll lay down again and then feed as as morning approaches into the first hour or so of daylight and then they're going back to their bedding area is that is that about accurate yeah, um, the only thing is, is they may be out a lot longer than that first hour. And 
what they might do is they might get out of that open area, but they'll still be feeding in the trees or they'll be feeding on those ridges um, or they'll be feeding in those transition areas. They're going to be feeding a lot, lot more right now. They'll even be feeding as they're going up on the sides of the ridges. And they're not really that um, not that anxious just to go and bed down like what they you know, what they were before when they were with the cows and needing that rest, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, their, their life is a little bit more leisurely right now. So, you know, that's like in the evening, they're going to be up in the afternoons and they might even get up during the midday and just start feeding a little bit and then bed down again. Uh, but they're going to get up and they're going to start feeding from the moment they get up. They're going to find little grasses, different things, and they're not going to spend that time just trying to run down to a night bed. That's okay. not what's happening now. No, gotcha. they're 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 really taking their time and they're feeding there. And, you know, we talk about the golden hour, that, that golden hour being that, you know, and actually it's not an hour, especially if there's a full moon. It might be the last 15 minutes shooting light in the evening. You know, and mm-hmm. then, you know, first thing in the morning, uh, it's that first, gosh, it, it probably is that first 45 minutes to an hour of that morning that you get a chance, unless there's a lot of pressure, then, you know, they might only be out there 15 minutes, a half hour before they're in the trees, but they're going to definitely start feeding more the whole time that they're doing that. And And what's so good about them right now, though, Jim, is when they are feeding their head is down in that stuff yeah. and they are feeding hard. I mean, it's, they're so much more stockable at this time of year. And the later, the better, like I said, the more that you get into November, I honestly believe that the best time to kill a big bull is like December 4th, December to December 10th in, in that area. Really, I just, yeah, I just think they are so vulnerable because you got snow on the ground where you can spot them. They're trying to find as much food as they can, and they're feeding all the time, and there's more of them together, so they're easier to spot. So, uh, I, I, and they are feeding hard, man. I mean, okay, it's so they're almost oblivious sometimes. So, if this muzzleloader thing doesn't work out for me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, we're not planning on that, dude. Uh, no, no, surely not. But but let's okay. say, let's say that uh, I know it's hard to believe, but let's say I don't notch my tag. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Okay, it's not that hard to believe. Um, we have uh, we have a like a almost a week or something of archery in December. So I might have to call you yeah. back and be like, okay, now we talked about November. Now we're talking to, no, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that, <laughs> but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I appreciate, I appreciate, I know we're running long here. Um, I appreciate the info, man. Is there, is there anything else like behavioral wise or, or just circumstantially this time of year that you think people would benefit knowing, uh, as, as we're talking about these late season hunts and, and trying to, trying to kind of get these last minute tags filled and, and stuff like that. Yeah. the only thing I would tell them is, is, you know, a lot of times people forget about the fact that, you know, we always talk about food security, uh, and water, you know, those types of, or breeding when we talk about things, but a big part of, uh, elk's existence and being able to um, not expend energy is being in the right place for thermally as well, you know, to, to be able to help their, their body heat. So, 
you know, where when we have that hot September, they're in those north and uh, northeast slopes. It's it's almost the opposite when you get those freezing temps, man. So they're going to get on those western. They're going to get on those southern slopes where, you know, the the snow is going to be a little more bit more melted um, uh, where it gets good sun. And you can you know, if you find areas like that. And again, I know it's difficult where you're living there. Um, but in a lot of areas where they do have a lot of those ridges and the open ridges and stuff like that, I would really look at those and really be trying to locate animals on there. And if there's snow, they're a little bit easier to see in some of that now because of, you know, you, it's easier to see those shapes and to see those colors in there. So it, remember, it kind of flip flops a little bit, yeah, you know, their yeah. thermal, their thermal regulation is going to be about, you know, getting some sun on their body rather than getting shade on their body. So that's something to think about. No, that's a great point. I, I, I didn't even think about that, but you're exactly right. They're going to be looking for warmth versus usually when, when I'm chasing elk, they're looking for, for those nice dark timber cooler areas and, and uh, so th- those are those are some great tips, man. Tell us. The, uh, the other thing. Oh, go ahead. Go I'm ahead. sorry. Uh, the other thing I say too, Jim, is is don't leave out some of those areas that are not mountains because a lot of these guys, you know, I know here in New Mexico especially, we have a lot of them that head out onto the prairies, um, and you know, sage flats and areas like that where a lot of people don't even go to look for them anymore out there, and. You know, it's it's easier it's easy for them to get in those little coolies and and stuff like that, and nobody ever knows they're there. There's there's feed out there. They'll have water within a half mile. So don't forget okay. to look out in those flats, man, as well. Yeah, I'm I, I'm not going to find a lot of that in North Idaho, but that's that's a great <laughs> tip. But I we do have some yeah. agricultural areas, and I know um, we should start seeing those elk kind of show up on those right about now. Yeah, uh, especially the, the big herds. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, yep. so, so well, cool, man. I'm, I'm excited. I'm gonna go load this muzzleloader. You know, I haven't, I haven't shot a muzzleloader since 1999 until I just bought this one. I just bought it like, I don't know, a few weeks ago. So, hey, whatever keeps you in the woods, right? Exactly. I'm pretty. My wife wasn't super impressed. I got, a, I picked up a muzzleloader, but um, I was, <laughs> I, I was pretty happy about it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, we'll. Uh, We'll try it out here, and yeah, I'll be I'll be heading out tomorrow uh, and and most of the week for this, and and uh, see see what we can make happen. And but I've still got a big I I need a, I need to track down a whitetail. I've got a I've got a bear on my property that I'm trying to get. He's not falling for my bait barrel right now, but uh, I have until the thirtieth for him too. Uh, uh-huh. so, uh, it's, it's going to be a busy few weeks, man. I'm going to have to keep you posted. Well, how about you? You got any more hunts this year or are you done? Yeah, I got, I have one more, have one more, um, uh, bull elk hunt still here in December. Are you guiding um, or are you hunting? Yes, I'm guiding. You're yeah. guiding. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So this is pretty much my, you know, once I get back, um, once October hits, in fact, at the end of September is pretty much I'm, I'm guiding hunters from that point. So I don't get a whole lot of time for myself. I'm really hoping, I don't know, we'll see. I'd like to see if I can get Chab in the vehicle and maybe take a trip over to see our, our brothers in Texas, maybe chase some pigs over there. That would be exciting and fun. So wow, that'd be a we'll, ball. we'll see what happens. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah that'd be a riot. Yeah, you can. Yeah. I, I've seen. Uh, they're just so overrun with them down there. They're, they they have all sorts of different ways to get those dang things, man. <laughs> It'd be a ball. Oh, and it's it's such good eating too. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, totally. Yep. 
So, well, cool. Elk Bros. Uh, yep. Where can people find besides Instagram and Facebook? It's all at at the Elk Bros, right? Is it the Elk yeah, Bros or yeah. just at Elk Bros? Yeah, so you actually won't even find us on Facebook. We're on Instagram. So our Instagram is Elk Bros, E-L-K-B-R-O-S. Mm-hmm. If you want to find anything and all things Elk Bros, um, you can just go to uh, elkbros.com uh, and find everything Elk Bros there. Our academies there. Um, all of our uh, our store items are there. Uh, we have some stories that I need to update now after the season's done, and I'm starting to get some time. I'll I'll be able to get on that. And you know, our, our we have uh, our blue collar elk hunting podcast that um, we were coming out every week on Tuesdays. We are now coming out bi-weekly so we're coming out every other week now on still on tuesdays we're releasing mm-hmm. but uh man jim it just uh you know how much work one of these shows are and oh, doing they all are. this and and there's so much more i mean we we actually have our own grunt tube coming out here real shortly it's already in production mm-hmm. so we'll be um introducing that and i'll be excited to introduce that to you here here uh in due time Sounds good, man. Uh, yeah, I, I know exactly. I took like a three-week hiatus from releasing shows because I, I couldn't get guests, and then when I got a guest, my computer crashed, and I mean, it was a lot. <laughs> it was like, okay, uh, I guess we're taking a break here. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, that's great. I, I encourage people to check out the podcast and check out Blue Collar Elk Academy. Uh, that yep. sucker is in-depth. I went through it last year. For most of it, but I didn't go through mm-hmm. it again this year, and that is why I'm sitting here elkless in Idaho. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I appreciate it, man. And I'll uh, just for those of you guys listening, I'll I'll put all the Elk Bros stuff in the show notes. Uh, check them out. Check Joe uh, Julia out, and uh, you guys, I I guarantee you, uh, it is always beneficial as a hunter to listen. To Joe and the boys over at Elk Bros, uh, for sure. It's, Thanks, it's uh, gone nice a long way for me, for sure. Well, good deal, man. I appreciate it. Thanks again for coming on, and uh, let's uh, just keep in touch. I want to know how this December hunt goes. I'd be super curious about that down in New Mexico, and and uh, we'll we'll take it from there. And have a great Thanksgiving, by the way. Yeah, you too, man. Um, all of us. I mean, you think about uh, where the world is these days. All the negativity out there. Man, let's all just be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Go enjoy our family and and be happy for all the blessings that we do have. Man, great advice. Great advice. I, I love it. I love it. So, and this is a great time of year to kind of get behind that that message. And and uh, there's we should have more good days ahead than bad days. And and it's really dependent on us and our attitude. And, and uh, hopefully hopefully we're getting there. Man. So absolutely. Thank, thanks again, brother. You're welcome, Jim. Appreciate it, man. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We sure appreciate your support. This is Jim Huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at Instagram at The Western Huntsman and on Facebook at The Western Huntsman. And you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.